Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. Uniting coaches at every level of the game around the love of the game. We are United Soccer Coaches. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky. Got another great show for you. We kick off with Dr. David Carr. He was just elected as a vice president for United Soccer Coaches Board of Directors, but he is on to talk about the amazing program he's run for several years now at Ohio. University. It's the only sports-specific Masters of Coaching program in the country. It's through Ohio University, but it's not like you have to be there the entire time. There's some openings this summer, a wonderful program. Dr. David Carr will break down this soccer coaching master's education program to kick off the show. Then Tab Ramos, the legendary U.S. national teamer, the head coach of the U.S. under-20 team, which blew through qualification for this summer's U-20 World Cup. He's also U.S. soccer's youth national team technical director. For the second year in a row, U.S. soccer and 13 college programs this time around will run the spring college program aimed at playing under FIFA rules to put the athletes in similar situations they would see perhaps like at a U-20 World Cup. He'll break that down. Then we'll spend time with Dante Washington, who actually played with Tab Ramos, against Tab Ramos, came out of Radford, kind of a little hidden gem, was on the 92 U.S. Olympic team. We ran into him at the United Soccer Coaches Convention, and we continue our theme of spending time with the podcasters on Podcast Row inside the 18. Michael Majid will wrap up the show and it begins after this message from our presenting sponsor Team Snap. Team Snap's awesome. I have five teams on Team Snap. There are no questions asked by the players, the parents. Very easy to use. Very, very, very easy. Simple to use. Everyone, you know, everything's right there. Messages, availability, boom, boom, boom. I've looked at other at other things and I think Team Snap sets the bar for this type of team management software. It's the best that I found. I am Dean Linky, delighted to be with Dr. Dave Carr. You'll remember the name prior to the convention because he won a spot as vice president on the United Soccer Coaches Board of Directors. But you'll also remember his name because he's been on before talking about the incredible coaching education program. It's a master's degree at Ohio University in Athens, Ohio, which, by the way, happens to be my alma mater. So I always love talking to Dr. Dave Carr. And they've got a program coming up this summer. There are some spots open. It's exciting, but we're going to learn all about it once again and the time now is with dr dave carr dr carr thanks for being with me thank you dean yeah you know it and you know how much i love ohio university in athens i still go back periodically and try to do some things with the journalism students so it's great uh, that uh, you've got that connection there but go ahead and tell everybody the name of the program why it's important and how it can help coaches at all levels well, just so, so everybody's familiar with what we're doing at Ohio, we started a master's degree program in coaching education for all sports and all levels of coaching back in 2001. Uh, and we were able to then launch an online version of the campus-based program in 2008. So we've had those programs. In 2013, uh, because of my connections to the game of soccer and my relationship with the United Soccer Coaches, et cetera, um, we proposed a soccer-specific master's degree. So to this date, it is the only sports-specific master's program in the United States. 
and it is one of a, a handful worldwide that focuses specifically on preparing coaches to coach soccer at the youth club, high school, intercollegiate, and, and even the advanced level uh, teams and players. So we've had that in place now for six years. Uh, we just met in Chicago uh, where we bring our uh, graduating cohort and our newest students. They come together at the convention every January and uh, we get the next group going, and we, uh, we work on completing the program of study for the students who've been in it for uh, about a year and a half. The program is, is, we've just modified it a bit. It's now 32 credit hours, uh, and we have those, those hours into two face-to-face residency courses. Uh, they're one credit each that we do in the summer on the Athens campus and at the convention in January. And then we have 10 content-specific courses online. Each course uh, is taught by a content expert, experienced soccer coach, and coaching educator. Uh, Most have a terminal degree, um, and they have been with us pretty much since day one, uh, which gives us tremendous consistency in how we deliver the courses. Um, it takes roughly 20 months to complete the program. It is a part-time experience done online that um, allows students who are coaches uh, to live at home, continue to work and, and coach and you know do things with the family and, and however that it comes to be. Um, so they take one class at a time. Uh, they take two classes per semester or summer session. And um, if you started in January, you would finish uh, the summer of the next year. If you start in the summer, you would finish at the convention approximately a year and a half later. Uh, and it has gone very well. We've had uh, well over... Uh, 240 coaches enter the program. We have now have somewhere in the neighborhood of about 125 to 130 graduates. Uh, these are coaches that now have the distinct uh, master's degree in recreation and sports sciences, but with a concentration in soccer coaching. Says it right on their degree. And then um, we we are managing are working with approximately 60 to 65 coaches that are in the program right now. So I'm glad you spent a little bit extra time on explaining that it's not like you got to be in Athens, Ohio the entire time. There's just a couple times, right, for a limited amount of days. Just re-articulate that part of it, Dave. Sure. The residencies we found from, from a learning standpoint, uh, the literature uh, and the research is pretty clear. If we're able to bring the group of students who are starting together uh, to a place where they are going to meet each other and meet members of the faculty and get indoctrinated into being an online student, they, they are so much better prepared for engaging in the various activities, the various learning objectives, uh, the different content areas in the course, working with faculty, uh, they basically get off to a very good start uh, as a student working at the graduate level. Um, so the, the residency is only five days, 
Um, we we bring him to the convention uh, at uh, a day and a half before the convention actually starts. So we have uh, basically that time with them. We have some special programming. We bring in some special guests. And then we turn them loose on the convention, but then we reconvene uh, to make sure that everybody is ready to go. Uh, and then we do the same thing in Athens uh, so that the students get a, a connection to campus. Uh, they come to Athens, and we do a similar program. Uh, one of the cool things that we do do is we bring in players. And we create opportunities for the coaches to work together, plan a coaching session, deliver pieces of a coaching practice plan, uh, get assessed. We actually even have a program for our older students to do actually coaching assessment because that is a key component of what they're going to do for the most part in their job. the, The residencies are just five days. Everything else is online. All right, you're hearing Dr. Dave Carr, Vice President on the United Soccer Coaches Board of Directors, and more importantly for the purposes of today, our kickoff as he heads the only, only sport-specific master's degree in recreation and sports sciences, and it's a concentration in soccer coaching. It's pretty incredible. It's in combination with, I believe, specifically the Patton College of Education at Ohio U and the United Soccer Coaches collaboratively, right? That's correct. Um, yeah, we've been uh, we, we work within the, the Patton College of Education, um, fully accredited program. Uh, we have some incredible people that we work with on campus. Uh, great support services through the grad college uh, and IT and other folks that are, are directly involved in helping us uh, put this program online. Um, so we have uh, a really good working relationship across the university. The great thing about it, too, Dr. Carr, is it's not about, hey, make sure you do a you know, 4 2 three, one, or a 3 five, two. I mean, it's about all aspects of becoming a coach. The systems of play and, and other factors that are typically done in a, in a coaching uh, diploma or licensure course um, is, is, a, is a very small part of what we do in the master's program. Yep. Uh, generally, um, we get into the, the, uh, the content of how to coach. So we, we have a, a foundation course that looks at methodology and, and educational uh, ways to, to interact with, with students at different points of their learning. Um, we get into ethics and diversity. We, we have a full-blown uh, concept of youth player development, so we focus specifically on coaching the youngest players. Um, that course is taught by Sam Snow, former director of, youth, uh, of U.S. Youth Soccer. Um, we get into uh, injury prevention and risk management where we can, we can deal with issues of um, the, the typical injuries that we see in soccer. We can get into concussions. We can get into um, heat, cold, weather, uh, issues that coaches need to know more about. Uh, basically, the recovering player and returning to play strategies. Um, we have a training and conditioning course. This is a limitation for most coaches across most sports. How do we effectively train and, and prepare 
somebody to play uh, the game at the level where they are. So um, we have the tendency to train the way we were trained. Um, that may or may not be an effective way to prepare people to play the game. So uh, we get into those issues, uh, the psychological aspects of play. Uh, we have an advanced player development course uh, dealing with the, the elite, more of the elite advanced player, the college player, and beyond. Um, we have a new course that we've brought into the program based on uh, the addition to our faculty of Dr. Um, Joaquin Rodenas, who is a performance analysis expert, uh, did most of his uh, doctoral work with Valencia in La Liga, and is from the University of Valencia. He is now working with us, and he was the performance coach for the Columbus crew. Uh, he now is working with us to do the analysis of sport performance course. Uh, and then Dr. Jay Martin, who is a longtime editor of the Soccer Journal and Honor Award winner, former president of United Soccer Coaches, teaches our leadership and team dynamics course. All right, we're here with Dr. David Carr. He's got a bachelor's in health and physical education from the University of Maine. Then you got your master's at Marshall. Remind us what that degree was at Marshall. Well, at Marshall, it was uh, it was sort of a, a little bit of sport management, but it was it was more sport pedagogy, um, how to transition. Uh, the physical education um, literature, if you will, and the research that had been done in PE and how do we apply it in sports and in specifically in coaching. Okay, then he got his uh, education doctorate in curriculum and instruction with an emphasis on physical education and sport pedagogy from Virginia Tech. From there, you started developing this curriculum that we're talking about. You actually started in 2001. You created this new online master's degree for soccer coaches, I believe, in uh, 2008, right around in there. Is that right? We launched, yeah, we launched the online version in 2008. Over time, you've continued to enhance it, right? Any curriculum is a continued, continual work in progress. Uh, we analyze, we discuss, we reflect. Um, we are constantly looking at the latest research. It, it is all uh, supported by uh, research that's been done and is being done in, in every course that we teach. Uh, so it's all educationally grounded. Um, and we, we are able to bring basically some of the best people in the world um, who have extensive coaching backgrounds, but also extensive coaching education backgrounds, and are experts in the courses that they teach. So we are constantly revamping. We just did a, a, a review and a restructure of our curriculum, um, adding a couple of new courses and then redesigning uh, some of the content areas. Uh, to make sure that we are basically on the cutting edge. All right, Dr. Carr, as we wrap up here, knowing that you've got some openings coming up, do the best job you can to let people know where they can get more information, when the program would start, how they get involved, what they got to send. I mean, fill in all the blanks for us sure. if you can, please. Sure. Um, we have an email address. It's onlinesoccer at ohio.edu. So it's onlinesoccer at ohio.edu. Our website is www.ohio.edu slash education slash soccer. Uh, and we are updating our website with all of the new material. Um, and uh, so either an email or check the website. There is additional contact information there. Uh, 
And um, uh, my email address is card, C-A-R-R-D, at ohio.edu. So if you want to send me um, a question or an inquiry, about the program, send it directly to me. I'll get right back to you. And finally, Dr. Carr, I mean, one of the things that I know you've witnessed, because I've heard you tell the stories, I mean, taking this course has changed lives for aspiring coaches, right? It's really helped them. Yeah, it has. Um, our We have a wide variety of people who have an interest in their education and what they would like to do. So we have high school coaches that see themselves continually working at the high school level. Uh, some of them are also club coaches of, of similar age groups. So it's really enhanced their development and how they approach uh, the game from a preseason, in-season, postseason, off-season perspective. Uh, we've got a lot of college coaches that have moved from assistant jobs to head jobs. And we've had a handful of, of coaches that are now coaching at the professional level. All right, Dr. David Carr, congratulations on all your work with this master's program, and also congratulations on being elected to the board for United Soccer Coaches. That was important to you, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I've been a member. <laughs> it's hard to say this. It's been, I've been a member of uh, the NSCAA and now United Soccer Coaches for 45 years, and it's been one of the most important things professionally that I've ever done is being a member of a group like this. And so to be able to be um, on the board and, and working with such phenomenal people to help shape the game uh, from a coaching standpoint is, uh, is really special. All right, what a great way to kick off. Coming up, Tab Ramos, the legendary U.S. national teamer with U.S. soccer, talking about something they're going to do in the spring with a handful of elite college programs on the men's side. They're going to play by, quote, FIFA rules with the clock and even mandating how substitutions work. We'll learn more about that. Dr. Dave Carr, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Dean. Appreciate it. Take care. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. I want to thank Dr. Dave Carr, who heads up the Soccer Coaching Master's Program at Ohio University for kicking us off as promised. The legendary, one of the all-time greats to wear the U.S. uniform, Tab Ramos. If you've heard this program, you know how much I think of Tab. I still call him the greatest player to ever put on the uniform. And, of course, we know what a job he's done with the U.S. Under-20 team over the years. They ran through their qualification, and he's also the Youth National Team Technical Director for U.S. Soccer, which is the key reason he's on today. Tab, thanks for being with us. Hi, Dean. Thank you for uh, having me on. Yeah, absolutely. All right. It was announced in February that 13 top NCAA men's soccer programs will compete in the second annual college development program that is designed to further player development opportunities in Zone 3. This is players age 18 and older. Boston College, Clemson, Connecticut, Duke, Georgetown, North Carolina, Pittsburgh, Providence, Rutgers, Syracuse, Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Wake Forest will participate across two divisions in this year's program. The program's coming up. Uh, it's going on. It's running from March 2nd to April 26th. So, kind of open-ended question. What is exactly uh, the goal of this program? 
Yeah, so the, the goal in general is to try to have a better connection between the college player and the international game. Uh, we still feel that uh, the college game uh, in general is, is still part of the pathway, and I think it can still play a much bigger role in the pathway of player development. Uh, and so having the players at least play the same games on the FIFA rules in which there are some limited substitutions and uh, and you know the clock is moving forward and the referee is actually uh, has the clock, I think is uh, is something that's positive for the players to prepare them for possibly whether it's national team or international competition or the professional game. Okay, so yeah, on its core, that's the big issue, right? FIFA rules, so particularly the referee managing the clock and then having substitutions where you can't re-enter, but it's not just like three subs. It's uh, what, five or seven somewhere in there, Tab, is that right? Yeah, we're trying to give everybody an opportunity to at the same time. We do realize that you know college coaches have uh, big rosters, and it's important in the spring to give everybody an opportunity to play to prepare themselves for the, um, for the fall season. Uh, but what we, we didn't want is that, you know, in general, they're coming in and out of games. To give you a little history, it was initiated last year as a collaboration between U.S. soccer and six NCAA men's soccer programs. The college teams will run this year's event as an approved U.S. soccer competition following the Federation's technical framework of best practices for elite youth development. And as Tab said, the games will operate similar to a U.S. soccer development academy match featuring traditional timekeeping, a maximum game day roster of 18 players, and then the substitutions with no re-entry. What do you feel like you learned from the first year that made you say, hey, we can more than double it? Well, I, I think the number one thing for me is um, that was really important was after speaking with players and players letting us know that, hey, you know, the approach from our school towards the spring season is different than it was before. You know, in the past, the spring season was just, you know, it was just sort of a the fun season that you're just trying to get through uh, in order to finish your year. And, and as the summer comes, you prepare for your for your real season. Uh, but now that, that you um, that the spring is more competitive, I think schools are starting to prepare more and more for individual games um, because every game is competitive. Uh, and so the players are training more, the players are getting better, and they're preparing for uh, for individual games uh, like they were not before. Now, it's also another opportunity for U.S. soccer to perhaps do some deeper scouting with uh, some of the top-level players in the college game, right, Tab? Yeah, we, you know, we, that's one of the things that I think it's an, it's an advantage. Uh, it's an advantage for us, an advantage for the players. Now, uh, we, you know, we're not just pay, paying attention to the fall season. Now we have uh, spring season look, to look into because all these games are competitive and everybody's trying to play the games to win. So do you think, Tab, at this uh, second year now, I mean, what would be your message to the NCAA? Should they go to the FIFA regulations with time and substitutions or is it something they need to build into? No, yeah, I mean, I'm not in position to uh, tell anyone in the NCAA what to do, that's for sure. What I'd like to, what I'd like to have is eventually down the road have the college game be an important part of the player development pathway. Uh, and, and because of that, I think the, this initiative to have teams play important games in the, in the spring, it's, it's sort of the first step towards what we hope somewhere down the line. And I, again, I don't know how many years that we, I know people are pushing for it, but I'm hoping that somewhere down the line, we're looking at having a, both a spring and a, and a fall season. 
Well, and your experience is true testament to the fact that college players can make a big impact. Your U-20 team loaded with players that uh, are spending time overseas and perhaps in Mexico and other leagues. But you had a handful of pretty effective players that uh, were playing on college teams during your U-20 qualification, right, Tab? Yeah, we had a couple guys in Indiana. We had a player from NC State. Um, you know, we uh, players from UCLA. We, you know, we we went through the World Cup qualifying process with four or five college players. Now, what do you do about the fact that maybe some other colleges are saying, hey, I want to do this. I want to be seen by Tab. I want my kids to be seen by Tab. You can only pick so many, right? But uh, so what do you say to those schools? I think I think we just have to remain uh, patient. Uh, you know, I from from our end, obviously, we, we don't necessarily run the league. We we were providing a new pathway. We're trying to get the teams to get on board with this. So hopefully, um, you know, I, I would like to see down the road, two, three years down the road, I would like to see most of the Division One schools playing uh, a spring competition on the FIFA rules. Quoting uh, Youth National Team Director Jared Miklas, he also says the growth of the spring college program in its second year is a testament to the leaders of these institutions for their work and effort to create the optimal environments for players. It's beneficial to have more players 17 and older participating in standards-based competition. Yeah, and that's absolutely right, though. It is, uh, it is the leadership of those of those particular schools. It is the head coaches of those schools that are willing to think out of the box and be able to get on board. You know, it's sometimes it's easy, you know, for the college coaches to just say, Hey, you know, it's a spring season, you know, who cares, you know, let's just move on. Uh, and I think these coaches really want to make a difference in the future of their players and their development. And I think um, all the credit definitely goes to them. And I do like the the statement that, that you both share when talking about it's beneficial to have more players 17 and older participating. But the bigger statement was that U.S. soccer is proud to support the college game and these institutions and the evolution of the pathway for players transitioning from youth to college. And that was important to see because I think sometimes people are wondering, what does U.S. soccer think of the college game? And this initiative kind of says, you know, hey, we do care about it. We are paying attention to it. Well, we, we have always cared about it and we have always paid attention. I think there was a perception um, that we only cared about the kids who turn pro when they're 16 and 17. And the fact is there is a lot of college players that go through the plays and still become pros. I mean, you know, that's what I did. I know that, you know, at different times, certainly, but uh, there's no question that there's many players who uh, have the quality to become good pros for a long period of time, uh, choose the college game as, as a pathway to get to the pro game. I think that was important too, Tab, right? Because we don't want to have any of those myths or those those kinds of things out there. And you're, like you said, you're a perfect testament. You played college. Even Claudia Arena, I think, played three years in college, right? So that's uh, longer than most of the NBA guys, right? There's a lot of players who have done well after after going to college and, and we we continue to uh, to encourage that you know becoming a pro when you're 16 and 17 is not for everybody and not everybody's ready but it doesn't mean that the 16 and 17 year old who becomes a pro will necessarily be better when he's 22 than a player who goes to college for one or two years because development for each individual is different. All right, I said March 2nd because there's already been some games played. North Carolina's played Duke, Wake Forest has played Clemson, Virginia's played Virginia Tech. But folks, that you're listening right now, there's some big games coming up. Boston College is going to play Syracuse on March 23rd. You've got Connecticut and Syracuse on April 
April 6th. You've got Connecticut and Providence on April 9th and down in the South Division. Big time games, North Carolina and Wake Forest on April 6th, Duke and Clemson on April 6th, Virginia and Georgetown on March 30th. These are some big time games. I don't care. Spring or fall, Tab. Yeah, they're all big games. And I think the players like it and the coaches like it. And, and in turn, it makes the games very competitive. And, uh, and we like it. <laughs> all right, perfect. Just to end it up, if there's one message you want people to hear about uh, why this is now in the second year, what would it be, Tab? Uh, I think it is that it's a growing program. I think when you do the right thing and when you're doing the right thing for the players and players' development, um, I think everybody gets on board. So I, I'm looking forward to the future of this competition and, and for the spring season to become bigger and bigger. All right, Tab, I can't let you go without telling you that uh, NC State, every time I show up, no matter what sport it is, they're winning something, Tab. So your NC State Wolfpack uh, blood is rubbing off on me, my man. Yeah, I'm trying to get NC State. I'm making some calls to try to get them, see if they can hire you full-time at NC State, and uh, (laughs) that way we can win everything. (laughs) There you go. Tab Ramos, always a pleasure. Thanks for uh, squeezing us in and uh, for what you're doing with this program. We do appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Appreciate that. Okay. Tab Ramos actually played a little bit on the U.S. national team with Dante Washington the all-time leading goal scorer at Radford University in Virginia. Dante Washington was a starting forward for the 1992 U.S. Olympic team in combination with Steve Snow, one of the best combo goal scorers the U.S. team at any level has ever had. They were that good. Dante Washington had a solid career in Major League Soccer. He has worked with the players as well, done different things, and he continues to be involved. He was a key part of uh, keeping the Columbus crew the Columbus crew. We ran into Dante Washington at the United Soccer Coaches Convention in Chicago. Dante Washington up next. United Soccer Coaches provides programs and services that enhance, encourage, and contribute to the development and recognition of soccer coaches, their players, and the game we love. Join today. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap, collecting fantastic interviews from fantastic people at the United Soccer Coaches Convention in Chicago. And uh, you heard from Bill Nutto, the general manager of that 94 U.S. World Cup team a little bit ago, and Alexi Lalas came by, Kobe Jones, and we started talking about that 92 Olympic team. And one of the guys we said just moments ago, Dante Washington, a prolific goal scorer out of Radford. I got to believe maybe the only Radford guy to ever make the full national team, right? Is that right? Or As far as I know, yeah. 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 It's not exactly like the, <laughs> the pipeline to the USA. And Dante Washington, you and Steve Snow in combination might have been one of the best goal-scoring tandems. I mean, quite frankly, in the history of U.S. men's soccer. That was pretty good. That's quite a statement, Dean. Come on, man. You and Steve, <laughs> one of you were scoring a goal like in every Olympic qualifier. Am I wrong about that? No, no, you're not wrong. I mean, I, and I think we had two very different styles. So uh, I was more the powerful, speedy guy, and he would play more underneath and uh, poach goals. So uh, I think kind of anything, you could be presented with anything based on the two of us being on the field and uh, being a threat that we're a, that a goal is going to be scored. Yeah, and look, you were great, but the, this guy, Steve Snow, he could score goals, could he not? I mean, Dante, you saw it. Absolutely. I mean, 
you guys got obviously got to see it in games and you got to see it in trainings, but uh, for those who didn't get, get to see it in trainings, he could score literally out of nowhere. Um, he was always a threat uh, in front of the goal, and his numbers proved that everywhere he was, he scored goals. All right, so who is Dante Washington? Where'd you grow up? And walk us up to your decision where you ended up in Radford, where you scored a gazillion goals. You know, I, I think I was definitely one of those uh, non traditional paths to uh, college and Olympic team, national team, playing professionally. Uh, I was fortunate in that where I grew up playing soccer in Columbia, Maryland, pretty much everyone my age played soccer at, at some level. Uh, when I think of some of the names who come out of Columbia or links to Columbia, Cal uh, Beckerman is one of them. Uh, going way, way back, Daryl G, who actually was my idol growing up. I went, we went to the same high school. Obviously, me a, a lot later. He was drafted straight out of high school to the Cosmos, which back in the day was like the pinnacle. Sure. Uh, he would have played in the 80 Olympics. So we've had myself, Desmond Armstrong. Uh, the, the list goes on of, of people who Clint P.A., uh, list goes on of, of guys with uh, roots in Columbia, and that kind of is how it all started. And I wasn't one of those who played a lot of the the ODP and, and all of that. Um, I actually didn't play ODP until I was, uh, I think, 16 or 17. And everyone says, well, why'd you, why'd you end up at Rafford? And I say, well, I think I was always one of the better players, but I uh, just kind of grew into myself. Uh, the summer between my senior year in high school and my freshman year in college and then that first semester, I think I grew probably a half an inch or an inch and gained about 15 to 20, min- 20 pounds of muscle. So that semester when we came back in Christmas break, people were looking at me and I can remember a guy walking past who I played high school soccer with and we're all you know, at, a, at a restaurant. He's like, he like did a double take. He's like, what happened to you? And you'll, you know, when you're in your own body, no one like I'm just me what are you talking about yeah. he's like man what what happened and I was like I don't know I guess I just grew yeah got that freshman 15 just like everybody else yeah 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 well you were a specimen I mean uh, do you do you know the number of goals at Radford does it uh, come up it, it's like 80 something yeah just goal after goal after goal and then here we go we're trying to make the Olympics in 92 and you made that team, man. And when you look at that team, Dante Washington, and you look at where they all are today, wow. Yeah, I mean, I think we didn't know it at the time uh, of exactly what we were getting into and then where we would be because there was no MLS back in the early 90s. Uh, so we were just a bunch of college kids playing playing soccer. And to look at the list of guys that were on that team that – set the foundation for 94 in some ways set the foundation for MLS and now are guys who are involved at a number of different levels uh, in youth soccer, college soccer and obviously professional soccer and just soccer in general in this country is it's kind of crazy yeah incredible you know it's funny because even Alexi said looking back at it that you guys should have gotten out of that first round you had a good enough team to do it in, in his opinion you know what I mean yeah and it's one of those I don't know if you if you told the story uh, but back then so we our first game we played Italy and we yeah. lost two to one no no Steve Snow right that was don't get me started on yeah. that one I was in the middle of it <laughs> I was a 22 year old press <laughs> officer and Lothar never said anything to me so I didn't know what was going on oh gosh we can talk about that one Dean. yeah uh, but then we tied uh, Poland and we beat Kuwait 
and the final game as in all of the uh, early rounds and tournaments you both play the game at the same time right. we played the early game so the second game they already knew the outcome of what they needed to do and we were just waiting in the uh, I can remember waiting in the hotel to see the see the result and then obviously the result didn't go our way but it's kind of disheartening when you know that in the group stage you tied the eventual silver medalist and we we definitely had a very good team yeah um so yeah i mean i would what obviously i'm biased but yeah i would agree that we we could have gotten there's been some stories about it so it's not like you're spilling the beans Uh, i can't what did steve snow do that made him be suspended for that game what what's the official record of that so i don't recall him actually being suspended I recall that Lothar's play. no. What Lothar wanted to do, and this is so through all of qualifying and everything, he scored a goal like in every game. And he and I both played together. Yeah. So it was a change in tactics where he wanted me to play first and kind of wear them down, and then first half play that. But he didn't maybe a little play more in the second he? half. It's because Troy Dyack, our substitution got messed up. Troy Dyack got hurt, which kind of early, which made us bring a uh, a back on. And then I can't remember what the other subs were, but that essentially kind of screwed up our whole okay. the so whole game plan. I will plan. tell you, I don't remember it like that at all. I felt like he got in trouble or something, but you don't think so? I don't think he got in trouble. Okay. Um, I recall it that way. What did? Did you ask Lexi? Uh, a long time ago, but uh-huh. I can't remember either. But it doesn't matter. It was pretty amazing and yeah. and to be a part of it. And then Major League Soccer happens. And tell us about your Major League Soccer career. Obviously, I mean, I played till I was 35. And I always said that I'd be done playing professionally when I was... I wanted to make it to 35 when I wasn't having any fun anymore. My body couldn't take it. And I pretty much had gotten to that point. Um Growing up, I of course I wanted to play professional soccer, uh, watch soccer uh, with NASL way way back. But then when the NASL left, there really wasn't any major viable league. And even when I graduated from college, I went and had trials overseas and had offers to play here. I think it was like uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies or the it was a Fort Lauderdale. I can't remember which one it was. And then to go out to the LA, I think Aztecs at the time. But the, there wasn't. I mean, I I decided not to do it because I could make the same amount of money back home in Maryland. So that's what I ended up doing. Uh, but to have the career that I had, a you know, two-time All-Star, played, uh, won two Open Cups, played with a lot of great people, uh, a lot of great players, got to see the world. Uh, it was it was fantastic. Wait, so so yeah, tell me all the teams in the years you were with them. So it was. Uh, I actually was working in New York for. Uh, NBC for the Olympics because I was working just regular regular job yeah. uh, and I actually was in New York for I think it was the draft that they had in New York uh, and I remember seeing Eric Winalda and him saying what in the world are you doing he said you need to be playing I was like ah, I don't know no one ever came to me and said hey do you want to play um, so with the one that didn't happen I was like alright I guess I'll just go find a job and uh, and then I decided to leave that job to then go play in MLS. Uh, got picked up by Columbus. First year? Yeah, 96. Okay. So I started, I think, around May or June of 96 in Columbus. I was there for a little over a month. Got traded to Dallas. Was there until 2000. 
uh, came back. No, I think he came back. I think it was 2003 or four. Yeah, no, it was in Columbus, 2000, 2003. Got released. Went and played in uh, Virginia Beach for two seasons. Came back to Columbus in 2004, 2005. Got released there. And then got signed. I went to Salt Lake and finished there in 2005. So, and you were 35 when it was all I was all 35, over. yeah. That's I wanted one more year to kind of figure it all out. But yeah. I didn't get that. They made that decision. But then you me. got into TV and kind of a pretty cool role with MLS. How did all that happen? Yeah, so <laughs> that's weird. Uh, the transition from not playing from playing to not playing is you ask any former player and it is it is really really hard uh so i was doing mortgages for a while and fortunately i got out right before uh the bottom dropped out uh in 2008 uh i was in uh walking into a dc united game and i just happened to cross paths with kathy carter who at the time was working at sure. at, at mls at yeah. some and she said, hey, we have this position that we're thinking of for, uh, for former players. Would you be interested? And I knew Kathy from when I worked for the World Cup back in 1994. And I was like, so anyone that's ever done loans, especially back then, yeah. it's like, I was like, absolutely, I'm interested. Yeah. So conversations led to another. And uh, myself, Mark Santel, who I played with in Dallas, we were uh, regional ambassadors for MLS for, for a couple seasons, working with the teams. I had D.C., New England, New York, and then I picked up Columbus at the end. Just kind of fan development department, trying to understand why the local folks were or were not fans of, of their of their teams. Right. Um, it was a great role. I had a lot of fun in it. Um, obviously, being back in the game uh, was was a blessing uh, when you are involved. And I think, I mean, I don't know about other sports, but I feel like soccer might be a little bit different. That It's just like in your blood, and this is just what you do and yeah. in some ways defines who you are. Right. Uh, so it was great to be back. Um, in a role where I was working with the with the league again, trying to continue to grow the game. Incredible. How do we get you back in the game? Well, now that we have new ownership in Columbus, hopefully um, I can be involved in, in some way. I haven't been involved for the past five years. Uh, I happen to know uh, one of the, the major local owner, Dr. Pete Edwards. He's the, been the team doctor since 96, so right. I know him very, very well. So. Hopefully I can do something. Uh, towards the end of last year, I uh, organized an alumni reunion, so I had about 15 to 20 guys yeah. come in. We had an alumni game uh, Saw that. Sunday yeah. morning. We all went to the crew game, the last game of the season. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, and I know he wants to do that again, so I'm, I think I'm pretty much on the clock. I don't know if I'm yeah. getting paid, but I'm definitely on the clock. I'm not that I'm saying I need to get paid. That was a lot of fun. It was yeah. gratifying just to have so many guys back, just to hear the fans talk about uh, how great of an event it was. I just had someone uh, just this week say that's the greatest thing he's ever seen, experienced with the crew. So Save the crew, baby, uh, and it worked. Yeah, man, yeah, it, it, it worked. Thank you. Appreciate it. Dante Washington, I loved watching you play. And you're always so great to me, man. You're a good man. I think that. Great career. Get back in there with the crew. We need you. I hope so. I hope so. All right. Dante Washington, always looking good. Thank you. United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap. Team Snap's awesome. I have five teams on Team Snap. There are no questions asked by the players, the parents. Very easy to use. Very, very, very easy. Simple to use, everyone, you know, everything's right there, messages, availability, 
boom, boom, boom. I've looked at other at other things, and I think Team Snap sets the bar for this type of team management software. It's the best that I found. Welcome back to our United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Our voices are starting to go here on Podcast Row. And if you're on Podcast Row, you got to find out about the other podcasts. They're all great, right, or they wouldn't be here, including Inside the 18 with Michael Majid, who's a multi-talented superstar. He's got his own TV show on Amazon. He's been in movies, more movies to come, and he's got the Inside the 18 podcast. Michael, I'm Dean Linky. Great to be with you, my man. Uh, Dean, thanks so much for having me on United Soccer Coaches podcast. Uh, to be honest with you, it's just nice to not have to be looking at a rundown. Uh, <laughs> that's just a huge relief for me and not have to look at my phone and waiting for the next text uh, to break the fourth wall a little bit for your you know, listeners here. Uh, we've been doing guests you know, all day here on Podcast Row. Uh, Total Soccer Show's here. The Cooligans are here. Uh, soccer City, Soccer Chat, Sirius XM. Uh, it's, it's been craziness, but it's been amazing, too. And people are handing things to people, uh, construction uh, people. It's, it's been crazy. There's pens out. Um, <laughs> and I love how I just did that. I just took the pen. I'm like, there's pens out, and I happen to need one. Thank God for the pens. I'm just going to grab one, whatever. <laughs> it's all good. But, no, um, to be able to be on a podcast that's had legends such as Jeff Van Dusen on them uh, or Ian Barker. I just, I don't know. I don't know how I can follow people like that. So, uh, well, no. we've also had Tony Miola. And uh, some no, of I, no, I know. Too. You've had some incredible people. No, I'm joking. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I'm trying to give the props to the United Soccer coaches because I'm on their podcast. Right, but I think they know your personality, though. So I don't know. That's awesome. Yeah. Michael well, Magid- I cried in front of Tony Miola. So let's not. We, Tell we, us we, about that. What were you crying about? Uh, the fact that uh, we did uh, the World Cup comedy tour last year. Um, it was the first one that we did. It was with the, the Cooligans and Total Soccer Show. Our our last show was in Atlanta during MLS All-Star. It was at the Punchline in Atlanta. And Tony was a special guest. And I came up to him, um, you know, after he got off stage. And I said, I just want to let you know, you know, as a kid, you know, you're one of the reasons that inspired me to become a goalkeeper. Because, you know, as a kid growing up in the United States, you don't see a lot of soccer on TV. And then MLS was just starting up and everything. And to see him as a little kid in the 94 World Cup, you know, he was the first goalkeeper I knew by name was Tony Miola. Right. So, um, and then I met him in person. I'm like, oh, there's no way I ever could have been that. He's, he's, he's massive. He's a massive human being. And, uh, and I'm tiny. I'm a tiny, small man. <laughs> and so I just kind of whittled away and cried uh, in front of him. But uh, <laughs> he bought like seven scarves. I think he felt so bad for me. Wait, yeah. how old were you in 1994 when you were watching? Let's not, go there. Let's not go there. Okay. Let's not go there. <laughs> yeah. I might have been middle school, but still, let's not go there. Let's not go there. Hey, man, a real man can cry just like he can wear pink or whatever, right? I was actually just overwhelmed by the motion because, honestly, I don't know if you've been to Atlanta and, and the MLS community there, but the, the Atlanta United supporters were incredible. They were all out at our show, and uh, Men in Blazers was going on at the same time, and a lot of people left Men in Blazers to come to our show, which, you know, nothing against Men in Blazers or whatever, but that was just that really I was honored, the fact that people would want to come out and see our little show. And just the chance and everything and just seeing it all come together because it was all just a concept that I had in my head. And I was like, I'm going to reach out. I'm, I'm a big fan of Total Soccer Show, big fan of the Cooligans. They have no idea who I am. I'm going to reach out to them and see, do you guys want to go on tour with me? They're like, we have no idea who this guy is. Uh, but sure, why not? We'll do that. Do you have money? Cool. Let's do it. Um, and uh, it was just, it was just an, uh, it's on video. It's, it's ridiculous. And I just, I was overwhelmed by the moment. So, you know, I, I appreciate that. I had the opportunity to be with Tony Miola, the 94 World Cup team, and there was not a 
a greater person to be around. So accessible to media, anything I needed, he was there. And to this day, he's still the same way. So I totally appreciate how you're feeling. He's a good guy and, and he's an icon, right? Yeah. I mean, just oh my gosh. before his time. I mean, even the mullet, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. And, and you know, the, everybody we had on there, you know, I met Alexi for the first time at that, at that show, Alexi Lala's. And, you know, he was such a class action, such a nice guy. I was just overwhelmed at the fact I was like, oh my gosh. I'm like, Tony Miola, Alexi Lala is like, again, 94 World Cup. And I'm standing here right here. And, uh, and they, they couldn't be more of nice human beings. And it just, you know, it was, it was cool to see that because it's one thing to meet MLS guys now or national team guys now as an, as an older person. But, you know, when you meet people from when you're a child, it's, it's a different story. So, you know. Inside the 18 yes. is the podcast. Yeah. And... It covers a lot of goalkeeping. Obviously, we know you're a comedian. You're very funny, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Appreciate absolutely. That. Yeah. Um, so, if people missed some previous Inside the 18, why should they go listen to all of them? Uh, I think you need to go back and listen to them because you need to hear how sleep deprived I am in the morning when we start <laughs> the podcast. Uh, because we generally do it around 8 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, which is a disaster for me because I'm out the night before doing shows and stuff like that. So it's it's a little rough. Um, no, we've had great guests on. Uh, Evan Bush was fantastic from Montreal Impact. Uh, well, I think you should have had a, a a good look for MLS Goalkeeper of the Year this year. Despite Montreal's you know uh, struggles this year, I think he had a really good good time. Um, we have guests on from all the gamuts of goalkeeping. Um, just recently, we just had you know Jill Lloyd and Phil Wedden, and that's just a convention right here. Um, we've had USL guys. We've had, you know, directors of goalkeeping. It's basically if you're a goalkeeping nerd and you want to hear a podcast where it's not just coach talk and it's not just an interview with a goalkeeper coach or a goalkeeper or whatever talking about goalkeeping, so that can get stale and boring. Um, we try to say, like, you know, we're not NPR. You know, we're the goalkeepers union, and it's just a bunch of us hanging out. And we usually talk about a topic. And then we'll veer off talking about, you know, Trevor's baby or something stupid like that. No, no, Trevor's baby's not stupid. Uh, it's the reason why he's not here right now. He has to take care of his children. But, uh, you know, we, we want to keep it fun because in, in the end it's game. And, and we're, we're serious about our craft. But we want it to feel more of a community rather than just we're talking to an audience. More like inclusionary. Like, you're our friends. You may not be in the conversation as in saying anything, but you're part of this conversation. So we talk about a topic, and then, you know, we get into the week in goalkeeping, and, you know, we try to make it everything from MLS to Europe to NWSL, you know, USL, whatever, youth, you know, because the thing is, is that there's, I mean, the world's expansive in soccer, as you, as you know, but when you just make it Eurocentric, you know, there's enough podcasts doing that, you know? So I got to throw in that, you know, USL reference, that PDL keeper and stuff. And then Omar goes, why are we talking about this guy? No one knows who this person is. I'm like, yeah, but they should. Yeah. And that's why we're talking about that person right now. So, yeah. Well, yeah. plus we're at the United Soccer Coaches. Everybody is oh, yeah. included, right? No matter what. Oh, yeah. You're yeah. Michael Magid, Trevor Styles, Omar Zini, right? Do I yeah. say it right? You did. And you said Trevor, um, his kid is smart. You know, so he's you got, got two that kids. right. He's, okay. he's, got a, he's got one kid, a second on the way. As he said, there's no way in heck that they're ever going to be goalkeepers. Uh, he's going to try to 
raise them right, as he says. They're going to be a nice society holding, you know, center forward or number nine type thing, you know, where they don't have to really get that messy or anything like that. So, um, All right, we're going to try something here. Okay. We're going to ask you to focus. Okay. Is that? Can we do that? We can, absolutely. You sure? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Okay, Michael. Yeah. You just talked about how Tony Miola moved you. Yeah. But in your opinion, I'm only talking about Americans. Uh-huh. The greatest goalkeeper in American history. Oh, my gosh. You're putting me on the spot right here? Oof. I mean, you have to say it's Tim Howard after that, the performance in Belgium. Um, you know, Casey, Brad, the, the, these guys were all, they're all legends. And if, if we're talking, it, we're nitpicking here because as a kid, I, I loved watching both Brad Friedel and Casey Keller with what they were doing in Europe. You know, it, it inspired us as kids here to want to play at that high level and um you know i i was always but what tim howard did in that belgium game he's got a you know it's one of the greatest goalkeeping accomplishments in history now he was getting shelled that game Mm -hmm. um but just an absolute legend and you know first american to move over to manchester united at 21 years old from new york new jersey metro stars i mean you know and then became a legend at Everton. I mean, you got to say it's Tim Howard. So. Yeah, you, you kind of hit the Mount Rushmore, though, because when you got Frito Keller, and, and I'm a big Tony Miola fan, I want to keep him right in there with, with Tim Howard. we got some great ones coming up, too, though. Oh, yeah. It's going to be exciting. On the women's game, there's Hope Solo, right? Is it just Hope Solo and nobody else? I mean, look, I mean, for whatever you might say technically of her faults, you know, as a, as a, as a keeper, you know, Brianna Scurry was involved in some of the – the 99ers, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the she 99ers, good. you know, a friend of mine, you know, was a member of the 99ers and, you know, you can't fault what that team did. Not only what they did on the field, but what they did off the field, because they I think one of the reasons why women's soccer is so big in this country now is because of what the 99ers did. Um, they really brought women's soccer to the forefront uh, and all those little girls who grew up then are now playing in NWSL or coaching in NWSL so that's right um, in your backyard you were did you cry on that one too or were you I good? mean that was that was that was huge with the I mean the Brandy <laughs> Chastain moment you know funniest thing is like I actually took a coaching course with Brandy Chastain years later and uh I was terrified of her because she was so competitive and I'm like this is just a coaching course yeah. like, imagine what it was like playing she's tough too yeah. man she is ripped for sure yeah, yeah. all right so Inside the 18, and then you've also got a bunch of other stuff going on, so I'll let you plug it. Amazon, sure. what's, what else you got going on? Uh, yeah, so I've got the World Cup Comedy uh, Productions, which is soccer-themed comedy. We did our first live event tour last year called the World Cup Comedy Tour. Like I said, we had Total Soccer Show and the Cooligans on that tour. We did stand-up comedy. We did special guests in each city from MLS, USL, NWSL, yada, 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 just talking about the game, having fun, trivia games stand-up comedy it's a blast um we're looking to develop a actually have some meetings here at united soccer coaches convention about developing maybe some platforms for linear or new media um i have a tv show called highland parking on amazon you can watch it on amazon prime and it's about it's sketch comedy it has nothing to do with soccer but i would love to do a sketch comedy soccer series so if we can pitch that here uh (laughs) at united soccer coaches convention i'm guessing you've done that already I did to Comedy Central. They said no market. No, uh, no market. Okay. No, hold on. I don't want to put Comedy Central on blast. You can't edit this out. This is going to be terrible. <laughs> uh, no, we're going to find a we're going to find a venue. Actually, my friend, uh, who I'm now, you know, looking to maybe do some stuff with. You know, nothing's official yet, uh, according to this podcast. 
uh, <laughs> no one has to read my emails. But a friend of mine uh, created uh, the Champions uh, for Bleacher Reports, the animated soccer series where all the UEFA um, Champions League players live in one house, like a reality show style. Okay. And uh, we're looking to do some stuff together because um, there is a market for soccer comedy. And, and we proved it with the tour this past year. So, um, All right, let me hit you with this. So we compared sure. Tim Howard to Brad Frito. What if we said Michael Madgett, Kevin Flynn? Oh, my God. You're going to put me on blast with Clevin Flinney? <laughs> with Flinney? I, I, yeah, I've been on over the ball, I don't know, nine times. Uh, I love OTB. OTB, he's the OG. <laughs> you know, Flynn's been around since, what, 1943? No, I'm kidding. Uh, Flinney, if you're hearing this, I'm only saying 1957. Uh, no. Uh, I mean, Flynn's a legend, man. I mean, you know, uh, he showed me his old demo tape from back in the day and stuff like that. I'm like, my God, man. I'm like, look at some of these people that you were interviewing. He's like, yeah. He's like, you have to realize they weren't them then. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, he uh, was there in '94. Like man, he was oh running all over the place. Oh my and, gosh. You know. But yeah. uh, I've had Flinny on my stand-up show. I have a stand-up show in in Santa Monica and LA that I run twice a week. So who's funnier? Uh, I'm way funnier. No. There you I'm, go. No, no, no. <laughs> That's a good answer. That's uh, how you should say it. No. No. Hold on. Well, let's see here. He asked me if I could open for him. This. No. So. Uh. No. I don't know. I've. You know. Um. We got our our different styles. You can't. You can't compare comedy like you compare goalkeeping. Um, it's uh, it's subjective. Is that the word or is it objective? Objective is the one where there's just one, right? Last thing is people yeah. are li- thinking about inside the 18, thinking Flynn. about your background and knowing you're a comedian. What kind of comedy do you make out of the fact that we didn't make the last World Cup? How do you handle that? Oof. Uh, there's not a lot of comedy in that. Uh, that was a rough. I'm not kidding you. I cried that night. I really did. Um, is, mainly, that, is that three times, Kyle, he's cried? I cry a lot. <laughs> I cried this morning at the NWSL draft. I was moved by the speeches. I'm like, these young women, they've been living their whole lives, getting ready for this moment. Now they're on the stage. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is beautiful. Uh, I may cry at commercials. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, you know, as, uh, as, as Total Soccer Show uh, calls it, the, uh, the recent unpleasantness um, was, uh, was tough for everybody. Um, you know, I think it really put a, uh, a microscope under not just, you know, the U.S. men's national team, but like what, how we view American soccer as a whole. Because the fact of the matter is, is that if you look at the social media, if you look at the way we were uh, taking that Trinidad game as a nation, um, we kind of got what we deserved because we didn't, the piggyback rides and, and all that stuff, you know. I mean, and look, it, that's not going to happen. Any, that's not going to happen again. But, um... You know, look, a lot of people are doing some great stuff at the grassroots level. And the really what I think affected us not making it was the fact that we missed the Olympics. Okay, the fact that we did not. Great point. That, that is the point. Because the thing is, if that, that 23s team, if they had qualified for the Olympics, some of those guys might have been on that senior roster. Right. And, and that, that's a lost generation right there. That 23 to 27 getting ready for their prime. Because yeah. if, if you look at U.S. soccer, where were the prime players? 18 to 22 and then like 29 to 34 you know so that 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 age group that golden gap that's where most of the that's most most of your meat and potatoes players come from right yeah even if they're from your domestic league and we didn't have that because they never got those high competition experiences you know outside of the gold cup yeah or anything like that so you know, I think that was that was really unfortunate that we didn't qualify for that. And I think I think we will qualify this time. You know, hopefully for 23s. I knock on wood. And you know, um, 
I think that was really the thing because I don't think that what was happening with our 17s or our 15s or our 14s or beneath that has anything to do with us not qualifying for the World Cup. That's a very good answer. If nope. people happen to miss that answer and they just heard Alexi Lalas or J.P. Della Camera or Sasha Swarovski or all these other guests that we've had on and they didn't hear me say that Michael Madgett is behind Inside the 18 podcasts and they're like, what the heck is this guy talking about? What's the best way to describe what you got going on? Uh, multitasking or as my dad calls it, uh, aspiring entrepreneur. I like it. Yeah, aspiring entrepreneur, which sounds like a, a fancy way of saying like he doesn't have a job. He's unemployed. He's unemployed and he freelances looking for stuff. So yeah. That would be fun, man. You're fun. Michael Thanks. Majid, Inside the 18. Thanks cool. for being with us. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Thank Michael Majid and all of our guests. Dr. Dave Carr running the master's program for coaching education for soccer at Ohio University. Tab Ramos getting us up to date on U.S. soccer's collaboration with 13 different college programs as they do their second annual college developmental program for Zone 3. And we also want to thank Dante Washington, who stopped by at the United Soccer Coaches Convention in Chicago. Mike Knipper, Sean Shevel, all the great folks. We'll see you in two weeks, March 28th, for the next edition of our United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. United Soccer Coaches provides programs and services that enhance, encourage, and contribute to the development and recognition of soccer coaches, their players, and the game we love. Join today. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join.